Welcome, everybody, to the Magnificently Huge Podcast. This week, The Matrix Rewatched. Welcome to the Magnificently Huge Podcast with your hosts, Eric Reed, Brian Kruger, and Chris Ryerson. Three idiots who decided to slap an adverb together with an adjective to bring you one magnificently huge discussion each week about the movies and pop culture we kind of like, maybe even secretly love, before we ultimately crab all over them. We're not here to save the world, we're just here to make it weirder, one podcast at a time. This is Magnificently Huge. So, it's the 20th anniversary of The Matrix, the first movie in the Matrix series, the one that started off geek punk and comic book action heroism in a real way. The reason you have your Marvels and your, your Jurassic Parks and your... Not the, the original Jurassic Park. Okay, you know what? Maybe not Jurassic Park. Okay. But the reason you have geek comic booky movies is because of The Matrix. And it always sort of astounds me how few people have actually seen The Matrix. It's, it's amazing. They're really fun, and they're really crazy. They're also really pretentious, and at times, really boring. Certainly, really talking. So, we're going to dig into that this week. If you're a fan of The Matrix, I really do want to hear what you have to say about this, because we're basically operating off of what little we know about the philosophy behind The Matrix and what we think of the movies. If you've got the inside dope, you got to write us. We're at MagnificentlyHuge at gmail.com. We're on Twitter at MagHuge. And we're on all of the socials. Just search for Magnificently Huge Podcast. Um, and thank you for your support. Hey! Magnificently Huge Podcast. Uberales. What's up, gents? <laughs> Nothing. It's been a week. Yes. Right? Seven, seven what a days. week it has been yeah it has the week that was i am weak from this week weak from the week tired yeah. yeah i've gone back to drug use um i've been enjoying <laughs> drugs seriously i didn't realize what a great drug this was but you know what i've been doing this week metamucil and nice. I know it sounds Ooh. it sounds retarded, but but here's the deal. You, uh, you, okay, sounds retired. You, yeah, I know that's the thing. I was like, ah, <laughs> oh, well, I'm getting older. Maybe this will help me be regular or whatever. But thing is, I I, I took some Metamucil and uh, didn't think much about it. Nothing happened the first day. Took some again. Second day, I took a shit that I when I was done, I thought I'd looked into the face of God. Okay, and uh, ever since then, I've been nice. like, I am drinking Metamucil every day because I just love that just shot heroin feeling. It is, it is great. And unlike heroin, because heroin, you take heroin and you go, okay, I'm now, I've set aside some time in my day, I can, I can take some heroin, and then you're on heroin. But with, with Metamucil, you take it, and then you wait, and you just don't know when the fun is going to start. It could be like, a time like five minutes before meeting at work. Yep. It could be the drive home. All you know is that when you do poop, it is going to just 
Your your eyelids go half mast. That's all I'm saying. They got uh, they go. I've half-mast. been wondering about our dwindling listening numbers today, and I'm no longer wondering. Hi everybody. Yeah. Hi. <laughs> Welcome to the magnificently yeah. huge podcast. That I was Eric talking about poop. What do you think of that? I think they're laughing their balls off. Well, at least you're not taking Metamucil nasally. I would yeah. worry about that. But oh. Otherwise, you're good. Chop it up with 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 <laughs> some coke. Yeah. Yeah. Have some have some even need- musil cane. Yeah, that yeah, that's the way to do you it. You don't even need the baby laxative. Just boom, mainline that shit. Yeah. Uh, welcome to the show, everybody. Woo! Okay. <laughs> so Eric Eric is is the Metamucil fiend. <laughs> and fiend. Uh, I forgot that word. Fiend. Yes. Yes. An aficionado. And, and I'm Brian. <laughs> and uh, over here is Chris. Uh, and I've never had Metamucil. You got to keep regular, son. That's true. <laughs> That's true. I got to watch. I know what I'm doing. <laughs> Speaking okay. of Metamucil, does anybody want to talk about the French shit? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> this shit is fresh. Oh, shit. It's fresh. This stuff is really how did no one else see that on-ramp signal? How did no I, one? I don't know. I was just waiting to see how long you would go, uh, honestly. <laughs> so was he. He was, I was waiting. I was, yeah. I was waiting for one of you to call it, and by gum, you did. Yeah, we did. Well, this is, the, this is where we talk about all the fun stuff we've watched or read or listened to. Uh, and apparently where we troll for hashtags, because that's why <laughs> yeah. you're here. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Exactly. So listen to the show, share it. Yeah. <laughs> so does Brian have a lot this week? I I do. I'm actually thinking I might want to just do some of it and save some for next week's show because I've got way too much fresh shit. Yeah, okay. hold on to some of that magic. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, then... that's that's anti metamucil <laughs> holding on to my fresh shit. <laughs> yeah. Um, for a week. Okay. Uh, so first of all, um. I went to another Alamo Drafthouse movie party, and this is kind of in keeping with our, our theme today, is another 90s uh, sci-fi action classic. I went and saw a movie party of The Fifth Element Ooh. in the theaters. Man. Man. Now, that, that's a movie that, I'll be honest with you, I didn't like. I've only seen it once before, and I watched it, and I'm like, I don't, I didn't like it. I was under underwhelmed by it. But my wife likes it, and I'm like, okay, whatever. It's been 20-something years. I'll give it another go. And I liked it better this time. But how much better? Um, well, I'm, I'm, I met the movie on its terms, right? I knew it was going to be silly. I knew Ruby Rod was going to show up, right? Like, I, <laughs> I, I knew Gary Oldman's character was completely ridiculous. <laughs> and so I wasn't expecting to be blown away. I was expecting weird, and I got weird. I love how um, when, the, when it first came out, I think Eric described Gary Oldman's performance as like a weird, whacked-out space villain in the mold of Lee Harvey Oswald. Yeah, <laughs> and <Ross laughs> that's Perot. all I can see now when it's on. Yeah, he, that's he's, all a, I can he's see. a futuristic Ross Perot. That's it. Life, which you so nobly serve, comes from destruction, disorder, and chaos. Yeah, so I guess Ruby Rod was written for Prince, which makes a lot more sense. Yeah, it makes way more sense if you look at it that way. Then Chris Tucker, God, God, Chris Tucker's annoying. Who is the one and only winner of the Gemini Crockett contest? This 
boy is fused like fire. So start melting, ladies, because the boy is hotter than hot. He's hot, hot, hot. <laughs> right size, right build, right head, right on. Right on, right on. And he's got something to say to those 50 billion pair of ears out there. Pop it, D-Man. It's Chris Tucker doing an impression of Prince, which is, you know, yeah. pretty good. Because Prince yeah, wouldn't actually. have been that entertaining. He wouldn't have allowed himself to look that foolish. Yeah. Well, I like that it's sort of a mini Friday reunion as well, because you got Chris Tucker, uh, but then you also have Tiny Lister playing the president of the Earth. Yeah. Uh, and so then when I watch it, all I can think of is, Debo coming! Get rid of it! Debo coming! So it's, See, my wife likes that movie too, and I was I was like you know like mildly entertained by it when it came out. But my wife likes it, so I I have grown to like it too. And my feeling is this: women love that movie because it is basically as goofy as sci-fi is to them. You know, it's like it's, <laughs> it's, it's sort of they, they don't can't... see any difference between Star Wars and the Fifth Element. It's like it's all that goofy. Exactly, yeah. exactly. <laughs> Star Wars and Star Trek and and all those other sci-fi th- Marvel movies—they're t- like two up their own asses with their their story and their action and their. It's all stupid and goofy. At least Fifth Element admits it. I think that's why they go in for it. At the Draft House, they they give you props, and this was genius. They gave everybody a cap gun, and whenever there's a shootout, people are encouraged to fire the cap guns, and I'm telling you, every movie now would be better if every shootout scene was accompanied by the sound of a hundred cap guns going off around you in all directions. (laughs) It's way better. Like, John Wick needs this. See, when you said they give you props, I thought at the door they say, like, word, dog, you're, you're, you're large, you're dope. I yeah. I didn't know they actually gave you like yeah mad props yeah yeah no no cap gun cap gun they gave everybody a matchbook so at the end when he lights the fire everybody lit a fucking match in this yeah, theater that's a that's <laughs> so a fire that was, hazard that's good I know I'm like really guys yeah. <laughs> well all I can tell you is that the fifth element is not as good as elements one through four uh, they kind of faded yeah. by the time that one came out you knew that was coming but it. It sure fire better than Valerian in the shitty of a thousand shits. <laughs> yeah, Lupe Son is just sort of, it's been this weird downward slide. I've always hated Fifth Element, and that was pretty much where the worm turned for me with him. And after that, it's like, ugh, okay. So it was like Leon, and then that was it for you. Yeah, it was, like, it was like okay. La Femme Nikita, then The Professional, and then it was pretty much like, oh, whatever. The family's not bad, but that's definitely something really different for him. It's like a mob comedy with De Niro and Michelle Pfeiffer. Yeah. And it doesn't look like a Bassone movie, but everything else is kind of just... Ugh. Okay, so two other things I'll reference to this week. Um, I sent you guys a link, but um, Apple Music recommended new music that I actually liked. Uh, so, it's I don't know if it's a band. I think it's just a solo artist. She calls herself Jealous of the Birds. Oh, that's right. And I listen yeah, to that. she she's got this new EP called Wisdom Teeth. Um, two songs. <laughs> the single that got my uh, attention was Kosiskelu. I think is how you pronounce it.
but the the first track on it is a song called Marrow, and I really, really enjoyed that. Chris, you seemed to be into the previous EP she released, and I actually differ with you on this, so I've, I found that interesting. Well, I, um, I don't know if I had a preference exactly. I just sort of hit play on the first thing that showed up on Spotify when I looked it up, and that was the one I found. Uh, oh, okay. So I didn't really have a rhyme or reason to it. I just was listening, but I liked it. I thought it was uh, very ethereal. It's good mood music. So it was a good choice. Yeah, I mean, it's Apple got would like just... some some Cocteau Twins influences, and you were right; it's got like some '90s girl bands. Yeah, I definitely, influences. I definitely heard the Sundays in there for a little bit. Uh, yeah, it was muted, but it's still there. So yeah, but it was good. I think the thing here is that the it's the difference between uh, a great producer and a not great producer. Um, the new EP is more compelling to me because the production is so much better. Not in the previous one, which also makes it less raw, and I don't know. Maybe she's sold out now. All of her fans hate her now. I don't know. <laughs> well, maybe uh, whenever the tour happens, you can make up your mind then. Maybe. Maybe. When you said that the song was called Marrow, I, I instantly yeah. had this audio image of uh, a, a, a Japanese cover of Coldplay's Mellow, and now it's stuck in my head. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, now that's all I can hear. Oh, no. It was you called did. Marrow. Yeah. Oh, that shit is racist. This shit is racist. That's racist. That's racist. <laughs> <laughs> And then finally, I've mentioned this podcast before, but I really need to to bring it back to the fore. Have either of you ever gotten around to listening to Welcome to Night Vale? No. No, I still haven't listened to it. Eric, you will love Welcome to Night Vale. Welcome to Night Vale is a scripted podcast. It's it's like a cynical, paranoid, fictional Gen X prairie home companion. Mm Mm-hmm. It's a it's the local radio broadcast in this fictional nowhere town where everything is like conspiracy theories and aliens and <laughs> fucked up. That's cool. And this episode I wanna I'll send you a link to it later, but it's um it's a recent episode that is brought to you by Kellogg's. And it is throughout this thirty minute um radio program, uh Kellogg's taking over the entire town uh, through sheer force of corporate power. Next up, we have traffic. Oh, nope. Okay. Um, I'm being told that traffic has been replaced today by our new segment. Listeners, I'm pleased to bring you Common Kellogg's Questions, in which you ask questions and I answer them. 
with off-the-cuff answers that are not written down for me on these carefully scripted cards. Question number one. How much is too much cereal? My offhand answer. How much is too much life? How much is too much love? Would you deny yourself blood in your veins? Would you deny yourself dreams in your evenings? There is not too much. There is only ever the deficit and the longing. And there's like, you know, it ends with like the book of Genesis of Kellogg's. Um, <laughs> it sounds very, very Church of Bob almost. Oh yeah, it's great stuff. Uh, definitely, definitely check out uh, the Welcome to Night Vale Kellogg's episode. Uh, just so you understand, every time they do the weather on that show, it's just uh, a song. They just find an artist to play, and that's the weather. <laughs> <laughs> it's. I think when you described it earlier in whatever show that was, it reminded me almost of uh, Buckaroo Banzai to a degree. Like the Yo-Yo Dine and all of that. I don't know why that evoked those images, but that's what it sounded it's, like. It's definitely got some of that. I. It's got, I mean, it's... It feels negative land inspired to me. It feel, it's, I mean, it's not as experimental as negative land, but it has that kind of vibe. Yeah, of like this is professional radio, but it's fucked. You know, <laughs> so like, uh, like Big Ten Eight place or something like that. Uh, yeah, I mean, okay. not even that far, but yeah. Okay. Okay. Cool. Good stuff. Word. Check it out. Thanks. Thanks for the uh, the good thoughts. Don't you kid yourself? <laughs> thanks, Glenn, for the uh, okay. Just thanks for the the good thoughts. How many episodes? Oh, they've got they've got hundreds of episodes um, of Welcome to Night Vale. Nice. Well then, get on it. Yeah, <laughs> that, that's where I'm stopping my fresh shit this week. Oh, let's go. He's pumping the brakes. Okay, <laughs> Eric, you wanna you wanna Rochambeau? You wanna Rochambeau for the next round? Rochambeau. <laughs> what is this Rochambeau of which you speak? Uh, uh, you take turns kicking each other in the nuts until the first one falls, and then they lose. I think oh, that's Rochambeau. Fun, yeah, um, yeah. My fresh shit. I I rewatched. I hadn't seen it in years. Uh, the documentary Dig, which is about Brian Jonestown massacre and the Dandy Warhols. I still is, haven't seen it. I've heard it's really good. It is. It's even if you're not into those bands or aware of those bands, it's a fun study. In, okay, so Brian Jonestown massacre is this band started by Anton something and everyone agrees he's just a complete musical genius he's also out of his mind and he's always blowing the record deal that you know he feels is his right because of his genius he's always fucking it up because he's out of his goddamn mind and <laughs> it's true he's he's friends with uh, the guy who formed uh, the Dandy Warhols and the dandies are like you know and and he he worships him he's like god he's just a musical genius he's amazing every time uh, i i i think i i'm onto something new he's like three steps ahead or you know like all the the horseshit that he doesn't have to say about this guy but he does and the dandy warhols start taking off and brian jonestown massacre keeps not taking off they, they keep showing like the dandies in europe where they're really getting big and then Brian Jonestown Massacre trying to tour in someplace in Georgia and getting arrested for weed. It's... <laughs> it's, oh. it's literally like every band story ever. 
just with notable t- band well, names. Th- th- it's funny because they're like they show him getting arrested in Georgia or wherever for possession of weed. And then they showed the Dandy Warhols getting pulled over in Norway or something and getting caught with weed. And the cop lets them go with a warning and lets them keep their weed. And, yeah, and the, it's narrated. Secret, yes. Go to Norway, not <laughs> yeah. Georgia. Those are yeah. my people. Those are my it's, people. It's narrated by the uh, the singer for the Dandy Warhols. And he's the one saying, they let us keep our weed. Um, yeah well that's not exactly something that happens all the time i would expect yeah and you get this i this this idea that you know the dandy warhols are not as good a band though i really like their music and i love them yeah and uh um bjm is like this really awesome thing i don't care for them i mean i i you know they sound like they sound rickety and then at one point he's talking about uh, all the bands that are influenced by him, like the White Stripes. I'm like, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> Even if they are influenced by you, they're better. So shut up. I mean, <laughs> I mean, sometimes you have to wonder if they're just trolling the documentarians or something. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, that would be my first instinct, is just to say some weird shit that doesn't make any sense. Just to see, ah, oh, people will buy it. Sure. Yeah. But Whatever. yeah, because I watched that, I've also been getting back into the Dandy Warhols, and yeah, they're still great. They had I didn't realize how many more albums they had that were great, and I also didn't realize that Zia McCabe, the woman in the band, uh, her full-time gig now is a real estate agent here in uh, Oregon. Nice. Yeah, she it's was a good like, fallback. I didn't, I didn't get rich doing rock and roll, so I'm gonna get rich selling houses. Have you listened to Distortland yet? The one from like. I don't know, two or three years ago? I was listening to that today, yeah. What I knew used to be just don't lie anymore. So you're making news and changes you should have made before you started killing me. That's an awesome album. That was the it one really last is. year where I, I like got sucked into the Dandy Warhol and mm-hmm. just didn't come out of it for like a week. <laughs> yeah. It's good. It's very enjoyable. I, yeah, it's it, there's a great part in the movie where they talk about the the album after their big debut, the one after uh, not a few of the last junkie, and and I didn't know this either. It wasn't a big hit here at all. It wasn't actually a hit at all here in Europe. Like almost every song got used in some commercial, and so they're huge. <laughs> <laughs> That's really how you work it, right? If you're in a band. Oh, please. Yeah. Use it in a commercial. God damn it, yeah. please. Yeah. I, I, I want to sell out, just no one's telling me how. Yeah. Yeah. And if it's in a commercial, that's fine, because no one really knows. Because it's like that mm. thing when, you, when the iPod was first coming out and Apple would do the commercial with the weird graphics and such, and it'd be some random song, and then you'd immediately go to the internet to try to find it. Because mm-hmm. they managed to find the one that was just a toe tapper, uh, and it was usually some unknown band that uh, was making bank off of an Apple commercial. 
Which yeah, is why ultimately didn't... Apple had to buy Shazam so that <laughs> yeah, people really. could find yeah. the music <laughs> exactly. in the commercial. <laughs> uh, but I'll tell you this, if you ever use Shazam on a beach vacation, you're going to learn some of the saddest fucking music you will ever fucking learn about. <laughs> like Jason why? Raz and, uh, and such. Like beach music. Beach like Jack music. Johnson, Jason oh. Mraz. Yeah, it's awful. So oh. don't use Shazam at the beach and you'll be okay. All right. Well, I don't listen to that shit at the beach anyway. So. Well, you know, but if you're at a restaurant or a coffee house. Okay. What's well, so a restaurant music? Yeah. Coffee house music. Wow. Okay. <laughs> uh, what else have you got, Eric? <laughs> We're I don't so know. dumb. Yeah. We're all right. So that's, all I'm, uh, that's all I'm doing. Okay. Right. Holding back <laughs> some of this <laughs> sweet, sweet fresh shit. I'm holding this back. Uh, wicked, wicked child, wicked, wicked. Okay. Um, I don't have much either, uh, but I did find on Netflix, I, it had been in my queue and I finally pulled the trigger, but it's a British sitcom ish kind of thing, I guess. Uh, but it's called Sex Education. It's got. Uh, oh, Asa, it's the one with Asa Butterfield? Asa Butterfield, Gillian Anderson. Yeah. And, and she plays a sex therapist, and he's her teenage son. And he kind of just, I guess, learns through osmosis and gets sucked into giving sex advice to his fellow students. And then it all kind of goes from there. It's a very sweet, very funny buildings roman, as they say. It's like a coming-of-age deal. Uh, it's all the awkwardness, etc. cetera. Uh, and it's really endearing. It was very funny, and the soundtrack fucking rocks. Uh, they pepper in a lot of stuff from our generation so there's a lot of weird 80s stuff in it that just randomly shows up and i'm thinking no kid in 2019 is going to be listening to that but whatever it's cool uh so they pepper that in with a i'm lot noticing of- that you're bringing big mouth and pen 15 and now this to the show. yeah it's 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 definitely a progression uh <laughs> i don't usually yeah i don't usually go in for the so-called nostalgia stuff but these are really well done uh, oh i was i was thinking more like repressed preteen sexuality but oh, you know, no, that's, that's, you can go that's with that. just that's just sort of a sidebar. I was that's not why I'm watching a, a progressive regression. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, it's more of a, it's a sexual awakening, if you will. Uh, but uh, but yeah, there's only like ten episodes, so if you if you can catch it, I'd recommend it because it's uh, quite funny. Take some turns where you don't expect it. Uh, a very good solid cast, uh, and they deal with some sort of uncomfortable issues. So it's, you know, at times a little bit uh, TMI, but uh, very good. So, yeah, sex education. Uh, so that's really all I had been watching. And then I did stumble across a new podcast uh, with David Tennant called David Tennant Does a Podcast With. And then he brings on a, one of his celebrity friend guests. Oh. <laughs> and it's fun. He has a conversation with him. Uh, you know, it's like John Hamm, uh, I think... Uh, Ian McKellen was on one of them. Uh, Whoopi Goldberg. The one I listened to first was with Jodie Whittaker, the 13th Doctor. And that was fun because you had two doctors sort of shooting the shit. Uh, sure. When we're working and there's stuff in a stage direction, I have no issue saying I don't get it. Yeah. But it's only because my mum and dad's thing was, well, how are you going to know if you don't ask? Rather than, oh, but my dad's other piece of advice, <laughs> which completely contradicts it, but it's also equally wonderful is say it with confidence and people will believe you well that's acting though isn't it <laughs> so i've got like 
I don't get it. And I absolutely know the answer to that. <laughs> I've got a happy mix of both. But it's him with his really thick Scottish accent and her with her Yorkshire accent. And at times you have to kind of really strain. You're like, I don't understand what the fuck they just said. <laughs> so it's fun though. They're, they're very affable podcasts. They're very fun. And he kind of just sits back and lets the guests do all the, the work. So the sign of a true professional. Be awesome so, if yeah. you got uh what's your name? Catherine Ritter on there to talk about their 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 Jessica Jonesing. Oh, really? Oh. Interesting. I no, the, I'm saying it would be good. Oh, I he didn't should, say it actually happened. Okay. 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 No, I didn't know no, if that sorry. was an actual guest. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he, he announced by the way that he's not part of season three, so Jessica Jones is gonna end and we're not going to see Kilgrave again, and I'm sad. I don't think it's really going to end. I think it's going to get picked up by Disney. Yeah, there's talk of it, so we'll see. We'll see. But if they killed him in the first one, spoiler, uh, <laughs> I just don't see how they can keep bringing him back and make it believable. Yeah, I mean, comic books are pretty serious about that sort of thing. Right. <laughs> they are. Shut up. They're like <laughs> gospel. So we'll see. Yeah. Uh, it's right, a graphic so, novel, Mom. <laughs> God. Yeah. Uh, okay. All right. So that's the fresh shit. That is. And boy, was it. <laughs> it was so fresh. <laughs> it was shit. That's for sure. It was mostly shit. Not a lot of. Yeah. What yeah. are we talking about today? What are we? Who? What is this? I don't know. Uh, I the Matrix. Show, Chris. No, it's oh. Eric. It's Eric's show. Aren't we doing it, the oh. Matrix? Yeah, yeah, we're in the Matrix. That uh, we're in. What is the Matrix? <laughs> there the is Matrix no is all around you. It's it's <laughs> everything. It, it 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 binds us, holds the universe together. Wait, that's the force. That's the force. It surrounds us. That's it the force. Penetrates us. Uh, all I want to know is if if I go to the Matrix, uh, does the red pill come in a chewable form? Because I'm old. Uh. But you can uh, dissolve it in water and drink it. <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah, so you got so, that going for you. Yeah. So, show of hands, who doesn't know what the Matrix is at this point in time? Yeah, that Young guy. That's the guy we're doing this for. Uh, there's. Yeah. I work with a guy who was like, I, 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 I put out a thing on Slack at work. Like, I need some puns for a title for this show. Anybody got help? <laughs> and because yeah. I work with a guy who's like totally Mister Dad joke, and so I figured he would know. And he was like, I've not actually seen The Matrix, but I'm looking forward to it. Like, you haven't seen The Matrix, dude. <laughs> Dude, okay Whoa. for that for that one that one guy. Yeah, there's spoilers for yeah. a twenty year old movie. Yeah. Oh, is it, is it time for the spoilers bump? Yep. This shit is spoiled. Oh, yeah. What do you mean? Spoilers. Spoiled me. I love that thing so much. Yeah. Well, this is the fun thing, and this is why uh, I thought Eric's idea to do it is uh, just brilliant. Because uh, March 31st uh, of this year, 2019, the Matrix officially turns 20. Yeah. It's been 20 years. And that blew my mind when I looked that up. I couldn't believe that it's been 20 years. It seems like just a blink. Yeah. Uh, But it's been like 15 or 16 since the the third one. So I guess that makes sense. I like thinking about how when when I saw that, I was living in Los Angeles and all the the people who were all the women who were into it were like really you know like scaggy 
and and you know like <laughs> Comic Con kind of slutty, and yeah. and now they're like moms and they sell real yeah. estate. I bet. <laughs> and they're in the dandy Warhols. Yeah. Well, not anymore. Now they. Yeah. Now they're selling right. homes. So, but, so I assume that you both also saw it in the theater when it had come out, correct? Yeah. Oh yeah. Did you see it opening weekend or did you wait? I saw it. No, I I didn't see it opening weekend. I kind of saw it after it hit, and everybody was like, "Dude, you have to see this movie." Okay. And. Luckily, it was not at the point. I was not at the point where I was active enough on the internet that I was getting spoilers, and that was like a very peak spoiler point in time because yeah, of, uh, Phantom Menace. Yeah, but I got I went into that thing cold, and it just rocked my socks. You know, that first viewing of the Matrix is, especially if you don't know what to expect, is just awesome. Agreed. Do you know why I think it's really an important movie, though? In, in, in all seriousness, this is the first time the geeks showed that they could make a film that people would go to watch that would be a big deal. Because True. before this, you had, you know, any any Superman movie or any Batman movie, any any comic booking was done where they, they were nothing like the comics. They were basically trying to make them okay for the normals. And this was the first time that the, it was really inside. And yeah. somehow they got trusted to make just a karate uh, cyberpunk movie and be left alone. And it worked. Well, I like the, the genesis of the movie because they had been writing for comic books, the, the Wachowskis, and uh, they, I guess, had this script kicking around and they got... I guess they did the script for Assassins, which is Stallone and, yeah. uh, and Julianne Moore. What's his, yeah. And, uh, and what's his Antonio face? Antonio Banderas. Banderas. Yeah. And they, they doctored it so much that they, they took their names or they wanted to take their names off the script because uh-huh. they hated it. But they had met Joel Silver and he liked the script for The Matrix that they had kicking around. But he and said he that they to, weren't really up to making a movie yet. Why don't you make a low budget thing? And yeah. then they bound. Yeah. Have you seen have you seen Bound? Oh fuck yeah. Yeah. I have not. Oh, That's it's hot. on Amazon Prime, Brian. You should watch it. Okay. It's this tight little 90-minute like film noir where two lesbians rip off the mob basically. And uh there's a lot of proto shots that you'll see show up in the Matrix and things like that where they're working out sort of the technical details. Yeah. And it's just it's tight. It's an awesome movie. And it's Jennifer Tilly being the least Jennifer Tilly you've ever seen her. It's true. That's true. a minimum of, I think that's good. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's uh, Joey Pants just being a fucking Joey Pants mobster named Caesar. It's good. Mm. Uh, and it was a modest hit. Uh, I saw it in the theater. I liked it. It was pretty killer. Every lesbian but, I knew was like, you have to see this movie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So based on that success, what they uh, they went back to Silver and and then somehow got to direct their script, right? Yeah, Silver Silver in the behind the scenes features is like they kept showing me like um, Ghost in the Shell and stuff, you know, an anime like that and manga and saying we want to do this but in live action. And he's like, <laughs> Yeah, okay, yeah, I've got money, <laughs> you know, yeah. But can you put a helicopter in it? Just anywhere. 
Yeah, that's, yeah, that's, we got a helicopter just, in the climax. I, <laughs> I think it's funny. At that point, nobody wanted to hear from Joel Silver because one, everyone thought he was an asshole, and two, nobody was going to see Lethal Weapon Four or anything. So he was on. Yeah, he was on the balls of his feet already. That <laughs> that he roped these two in with this out of nowhere hit. God, that must have been <laughs> yeah. such a well, and such it, a and sky hook for him. Yeah. Well, I just remember just watching it unfold. Uh, like Brian, I hadn't really delved into what it was i just knew it looked interesting based on the commercials and such and then when they do that opening sequence with trinity running away from the agent and that's the first time you get that bullet time effect where the camera mm-hmm. circles around i just remember i like almost sat up in my seat i went what the fuck is this i mean yeah. it, it was just stuff you had never seen up to that point in time now it's hard to explain to people because it's just overused everywhere Mm-hmm. But at the time, no one had done it before, so it was like, holy shit. Have you watched a Hitchcock movie in the last, like, few years? I mean, and, like, his best films are just kind of standard now because all of his best shit got ripped off. Yeah. It's kind of the same <laughs> thing. If you, if you understand that all that cool stuff you like, like Marvel movies, well, this, is, this, this movie's why. Yeah. <laughs> Bullet time is actually overdone now. The the way like morphing was overdone after oh, T2. Yeah. Well, bullet time bullet time got so over I mean, as soon as the Matrix came out, like the in the next two years, everybody was doing it. But the thing is that the Matrix had an inver- universe reason for it to yeah. exist. Right. Yeah. And it's so much better when it yeah, it's diegetic that way, right? Yeah. Well, I remember it was so overused because this Matrix came out in March. And the following Super Bowl, the next January, they used it for the the coverage of the Super Bowl. Like, they put it around the... Right. F- I remember this distinctly yeah, was, going, you've got to be kidding me, NFL. Yeah. If, uh, if anyone's listening and doesn't know what bullet time is, it's when you have a frozen image, but the camera is moving. And they do it by having a series of still cameras going off in sequence. And I think the best example, like, honestly, I, I know this is a cheat. But my favorite example of it is the opening title sequence to the first Deadpool. Okay, yeah. Yeah, definitely a cheat, but yeah. <laughs> so. Funny as hell. I mean, that, 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 that is the best uh, introduction to a character ever. But yeah. anyway, yeah, that's bullet time. Okay. Should we get so into that's what the Matrix is about? Yeah, I was going to say, who wants to explain the Matrix? Like, what's uh, a complete idiot's guide to the Matrix? Go. Like... Plot or theme? Plot. Uh, plot. Plot okay. first, and then we'll, we'll just, get into, the I think, theme. Yeah, theme is, is you know, plot is the clothing horse of theme. We need to, <laughs> we need to get the bare bones down first. Yeah, plot's what gets him in the seats, man. <laughs> and then we'll teach him a little philosophy. <laughs> a little philosophy, a little moral, moral authority. Yeah. While they're sucking up all that karate punching and gun shooting, <laughs> we'll teach him a little Kierkegaard. Yeah. Well, I don't know about you, but I want to hear Eric's crib notes of, of the plot of The Matrix. Okay. <laughs> They'll be funnier than mine. <laughs> I, well, I'll, 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 I'll jam- uh, this is the fastest version. A computer hacker discovers that the entire world is taking place in a computer simulation, uh, that all of the people are, are real, but they are plugged into a virtual reality, and uh, he, he is taken out of it by other hackers who've escaped and finds out that the world actually sucks even more. 
(laughs) (laughs) As if that's possible. Yeah, yeah. It's like, not only does it suck, it's like the food's bad, too. To the point that some people on the the outside... So the theme is adulthood. Oh, sorry. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Some people want to break back in. Some people are like, let me back into the prison. The eating's fine. Because all they have to... (laughs) All they have is, like, very flavorless oatmeal in reality. Anyway, so, yeah, so... The the machines run the matrix and um God, I cannot actually remember like once they get him out why they go well, back then, in. Well basically it's they go back uh, in because they've captured um his mentor Morpheus. Yeah. Played by Lawrence Fishburne. And so they're trying to get him out. Um, oh yeah, that's there's right. this whole business about how there was a prophecy that that somebody would be the one and yeah. the one is the savior that will liberate the humans yeah. from the matrix and morpheus is convinced yeah that that neo yeah. is the dude yeah i like his keanu reeves is neo and there's no way you're ever going to figure out that he's the one at all even though the letters are just scrambled that's that's mm-hmm. just an anagram that's unbreakable it's an yeah. unbreakable cipher so, well, there's a theory out there that it's he's not actually the one, and as the thir- as the trilogy plays out, there there's thoughts out there that Agent Smith is actually the one, and Neo is just sort of the catalyst for him to do his thing to destroy the Matrix. No, and if no, you watch no, right. all three, Harry Potter is the one, but the <laughs> other kid is the yeah. Oh Jesus okay, Christ! So, oh, yeah, that's Agent the other. Smith yeah. is Agent- the is the embodiment of the system, the matrix trying to exert control. So all these agents are these kind of, um, G men. Yeah. They're control programs. They look like us and yeah, they control things at the end of the matrix. Neo kills one of the agents who's been acting very unagent like the whole movie. He's more and more (laughs) human. And, uh, uh, the two of them sort of, well, they blend, and so Agent Smith becomes this rogue agent who's actually Neo's complete opposite. Uh, well, now you're getting into the sequels, which right. don't exist, right? Like, that didn't happen. Oh, not, yeah. not yet. They, they, no. But they knew they were gonna, because when Neo first shows up in uh, Agent Smith's, you know, like, like when he's being, what's the word, interrogated? The scene yeah. starts mm-hmm. with a, a view from a monitor and that monitor is the same monitor that's in the architect's uh, room in the next movie. So they knew everything was going to be going on. They had a very long view on this movie. Yeah. Well, it strikes me. I mean, I love The Matrix, the first one. It's a very tight, very well-made flick. I mean, it's a popcorner. Don't get me wrong. But it's one of the best. And I can watch that pretty much any time. Yeah. But yeah, the other, it holds up. Yeah, but the other two, oh my god. Yeah, I think that's where the real fun conversation is going to be. Let's <laughs> yeah. let's say okay, we finished The Matrix. The Matrix is an action movie they were hoping would do well and it did. And then everyone was like, "Well, when's the next one? We hear there's a sequel." And it took yeah. a long time and then they finally came out and they came out not just with a movie, but basically the first multimedia onslaught. Yeah. Because they didn't just release a movie, they released anime and comic books and, uh, and a, video, a, a game. video game of questionable yeah. quality, because it was made by Atari. <laughs> and a soft drink. Yeah. yeah. I don't, I don't I was, even know if they made a soft drink, but they probably did. 
Well, you know they made a breakfast cereal, Matrix O's, uh, <laughs> and they were a weird tingy green. Uh, didn't sell well. Um, well, I was initially just, I was bothered and irritated that they pulled up Back <laughs> Sorry, to the Future. Sorry, I'm picturing a bowl of cereal with all the little characters <laughs> that are green and red pills and blue pills. And red pills and blue pills, yeah. <laughs> oh, now we're going to have to make one. But I was Shit. really irritated that they pulled a Back to the Future. Like they waited, yeah. they waited a couple of years, maybe too long to get it rolling. And then they, they filmed them back to back and then released them a year apart. Or not even a year yeah. apart. It was like no, it was in apart. the same year. Yeah. yeah, it was summer and then Christmas, and yeah. so and it really showed because man, does the second movie need an editor? Yeah, they really yeah were too busy to finish the second movie. Yeah, so it and rightly so. It's I think chastised by many fandom, because uh, it's just not good. I mean, the the Wachowskis will defend it and say, well, it's just people that don't understand it. But basically, it's just it's the most uneven film i think i've ever seen and within the first 30 minutes they're at an underground rave in zion playing dub music and i think i was in the theater going what in wait what, how the what are is you this? talking about the second one or the third one now because the, 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 the second, defend, second one i'll defend the third one the second one is the one i think is like wildly uneven yeah we're we're sort of talking about reloaded at this point okay it's good just, all right because I remember so, seeing the commercials and being really excited, and then I got to the theater and went, oh, shit. Yeah. I would submit to you that Reloaded has all of the best action sequences of the entire trilogy, though. I love the freeway scene. I mean, the, the bit yeah. on the freeway, freeway scene is, is tops. really awesome and takes a long while and is like someone with a hard-on for, you know, car chase action. Yeah, it's tits. It's great. Yeah. Well, it took and like- even the burly brawl. I mean, yeah, it looks a lot. The CGI is a little bit more obvious today than it was at the time, yeah. but it's still hilarious. I well, mean, this, well, this is how you great. can defend the burly brawl. I mean, it takes place in the Matrix, so it doesn't exactly have to maintain right. any sort of realism. So I'll give it a pass on that. It's the bowling pin sound effects. Yeah, and thank such you. That, oh, that bother that me. That me apeshit when <laughs> they did like, that. That's the movie telling you what it really is, though, I right? Guess. Because the thing is, the first Matrix is just stone-cold badass, and the second Matrix is goofy. It's a big, dumb, comic book superhero yeah. movie, and it tonally hasn't got fuck-all to do with the last movie. No, and that's not the problem. The problem is when you put the bowling pin sound effect in there, you're throwing away the tone. <laughs> You're establishing yeah. a tone yeah. for this universe, and then you're going, <laughs> ain't we something? It's yuck, like, no, yuck, yuck. you don't get to do that. You don't get to do that. <laughs> yeah, it's a misstep. But the problem with it is just, it, it feels like a bridge, you know? It's, I'm tired of the sequels coming out when they have the third one planned, and then they just sort of gloss over everything on the second one to get to the rest. I mean, it just, this is See, definitely sequelitis. I would have them that if, if they had stuck the landing, but God, did they not stick the landing? Well, I, you know, I, I kind of hate I like the third the second one. one. Yeah, I like that. But but the second one I like because they they're continuing their story. For one, it's not it's not a serial. It's it's a continued story. With the real problem was where do you go with Neo once he's the Christ? I mean, he can fly by the end of the first one, and yeah. they up the stakes. You know, correctly. Neo fighting a hundred Agent Smiths looks really silly now, but... It, I still it think least, it's great. 
Yeah, it's but it stayed. It, it it didn't change its tune. I guess is what I liked about it. And the biggest problem it had was it had to explain everything. Everyone, yeah, and you know, they they boy, said, you know what, it. we've got this really complex idea that no one's really asking for, but we've got it, and so we're just gonna throw it all at you. Yeah, well, and that's the my biggest beef with it is that it, they just didn't know how to stitch it all together because it's you know action and that's what people come to see and then they do these long stretches where it's just talky talky philosophy philosophy talky talky and then oh wait we got to put some more action here and then they do these set pieces but then it goes right back to 30 minutes of people just droning on about philosophy this philosophy that blah yeah. blah, blah 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 it's like oh god get on with it we get it but you already you know? knew you were going to get it you already knew the philosophy <laughs> You made that choice before you started this podcast. Or did you? That's the other thing. There go. That's what's yeah. really going to bake your noodle. You're, yeah, that's probably my favorite line <laughs> in the entire fucking thing. When the oracle says that. What's really going to bake your noodle later on is, would you still have broken it if I hadn't said anything? Oh my God, my head just exploded. Yeah. <laughs> Can I buy some <laughs> pot from you? Uh, yeah, really. <laughs> dude, dude. Uh... But, you know, it's at least they maintained a consistent look. I'll give them that. Because the basic gist is that whenever you're in the Matrix, it's that weird green tint. Like you're going through yeah. one of those old monochromatic monitors. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you're in the real world, the Zion world, it's sort of got this bluish tint, I guess. And then when they're in like the training program, and this is in the first Matrix, it's sort of a yellowish hue. And they don't really break from that. And it's very consistent. So I like their design aesthetic. Uh, it's just all the talky words in between that kind of throw me sometimes. It looks great. The architect <laughs> scene, I mean, yeah, everybody gets lost at the architect scene. Yeah. The MTV Movie Awards are a systemic anomaly inherent to the programming of the Matrix. Although the transport process has altered your consciousness, you irrevocably remain human, ergo, concordantly, vis-a-vis. You know what? I have no idea what the hell I'm saying. I just thought it would make me sound cool. You haven't answered my question. But where they really blew it for me, and I can't even say that they they broke the rules of the Matrix because they were consistent for the rest of their, you know, through the next movie on this point. I just disagreed with the choice. Um, Neo is suddenly able to affect the sentinel machines in the real world and the real world does not turn out to be just another matrix so now he's got matrix powers in the real world and smith can possess bodies and infiltrate yeah. the real world and the the lines between the two worlds are getting blurred and that whole thing just felt like it 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 violated what was cool about the matrix but yeah. right the th- that's that's what I said before though about when Neo and Agent Smith combine. Yeah, that's that's why though he's able to control these things in the outer world because he is what Smith was, which was part program now, and Smith is now part human. That's why he hates them so much because he's been corrupted yeah. by humanity, and so yeah, he's able to control Sentinels and stuff because he's in the machine. Yeah, and he's been to the source, but then he loses his eyesight and he can see in the real world because he can see, like, fire computer vision of the real... Just because he's in the machine. It's all part of the same thing. It's very consistent. 
it all makes perfect sense i mean yeah yeah that's <laughs> but basically I just, he's i get lost he he gives See, nobody has this argument about humanity. the first movie no nobody nobody has this argument the first first the first movie has rules and everybody gets them and everybody's like okay it makes sense he can yeah. outrun bullets and fly and shit in the matrix and he can't in the physical world and i'm good but no now we are well, like wait i didn't get it well they, this they is failed. the thing I told, see that's the thing though i got it so yeah eric's smarter than the rest <laughs> of us i don't i don't i'm actually much dumber so i don't quite get why you know it's such a mystery i, just, I mean i think for me it's just i got distracted i've i think i've tried to watch reloaded three times now maybe uh the first was in the theater and then the second time at home and well every other time at home but i've literally fallen asleep halfway through or nodded off and then i'm mm-hmm. like doing the uh, oh oh shit how much time have i missed and i have no idea what's going on but i'm too lazy to rewind it and find out so the the second one is always confusing to me because i literally <laughs> fall asleep yeah <laughs> so i must say that the 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 french guy who has a name myth. that I refuse to say because it's so pompous. Merovingian. Uh, he, he really turned me off because yeah. I was. There's no point in this character. He's just talking and he's talking dumb shit. And yeah. It, well, but, see, so that to me was that was the point where I realized it's a Batman movie. Yeah. Right. Like <laughs> Agent Smith is the Joker, <laughs> and the Merovingian is the Riddler, and Persephone is Catwoman. I guess. Yeah. Um. The, she's the love vampire, and I don't know who the twin ghost Rasta vampire guys are. You know. Harvey Dent, Two Face. Sure, sure, fine. Yeah. And it's the some... Sentinels are Bane. <laughs> but Bane as soon as... <laughs> for the people. <laughs> as soon as I realized it was just basically the Batman '66 movie. Then I'm on board for it because I realize it's just a big goofy. Here's our rogues gallery romp. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I minded that. That bugged me. Well, the thing with Reloaded is that's when the Wachowskis really started to get ambitious in their filmmaking because everything since then has had some just like what the fuck are they trying to do? Because it's this, it's Revolutions, Speed Racer, Cloud Atlas, Jupiter Ascending. I mean, they're just crazy, crazy movies. Yeah. And I think they try to fit too much into the film package, and sometimes it just doesn't fit. And Holy that's shit. how I feel about Reloaded. Didn't we start this show with Luc Besson? Because same problem. Yeah, it is. It's very Fifth Elementy. Uh, yeah, I will grant you. But that. it's a, it's the same no, it's approach. Valerian. I'm gonna throw all the <laughs> shit I feel like throwing on the screen, and you know, you figure it out. That's yeah. kind of kind of what they do. Well, that's the other thing, too, is you watch the series progress in The Matrix, the more, like, Tron it becomes. Mm-hmm. And that gets distracting to me as well, to the point where literally at the end of Revolutions, when he goes to the source, the robot city, machine city, whatever it's called, and then the head comes up, and it's like the master control program telling him that blah, blah, blah. I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, my God, this is the end of fucking Tron, and he's just going to throw the disc in, and the game's going to be over. <laughs> I mean, it's just like, come on. So I, I get to having rewatched them all recently. I love that part. I really do. Like now that I watch it and I, I know it's coming, I go, "Oh, I get it." It. I, I don't know. Maybe it is one of those movies that you need to watch several times before the I, stuff starts sinking in. Because I didn't get I it guess. the first time I watched but here's, it. But here's the here's the thing. I, I will give them. I grant them. I um, grant you. you. They. 
<laughs> all of the bullshit that the architect says at the end of uh, Reloaded yeah. makes sense after you've seen the whole thing. Yeah, it's not that he have to see it, the whole. It's thing. not that they didn't have a a plan. It's that their way of telling and not showing was incredibly dull. Um, yeah. The thing exactly. about the thing about revolutions that I that I struggle with is, I there's not very much matrix in it. Um, no. It's all mostly taking place in Zion, and and the way the Sentinels are fighting the the robots and. It just looks like one big particle simulation to me. Right. I, like, yeah. I, I, I have no investment in it. Well, I'm, before I'm we get to the third one, before we get yeah. to the third one, can, sure. we, can we do a quick uh, 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 look at the Animatrix, which was supposed to be the cohesive material between the first and second movie? Now, the sure, Animatrix was, was amazing. Yeah. I, and I, I barely remember. Because... There were there were nine animated shorts and five of them were not written by the Wachowskis. They were written by essentially fans, you know, like animators who said, "Oh yeah, I can do something cool with this," and they did. Yeah, yeah, and and that's really what the future of it could have been. It could have been this anthology of shit that happens in the Matrix, right? You know, uh, they're really there's a- worth watching, even if you don't care for the Matrix. Check out the Animatrix. It's, it's yeah. It, there's a Peter Chung, the guy who did Aeon Flux, has a has a segment. Yeah. yeah. Well, stylistically, they run the gamut, and it's full on just anime down and, to things that are a little bit more yeah. experimental. So it's cool. And if you do like The Matrix, it's awesome because it actually gives you the story of how the world destroyed itself to form this world. That's the best one. Yeah. Both of there's two of them, and and they're both really awesome. They are the Wachowskis basically saying, if we had the budget, we'd make this too. B-166ER, a name that will never be forgotten, for he was the first of his kind to rise up against his masters. B-166ER testified that he simply did not want to die. Rational voices dissented. Who was to say the machine, endowed with the very spirit of man, did not deserve a fair hearing? The leaders of men were quick to order the extermination of B-166ER and every one of his kind throughout each province of the Earth. And the thing is, you walk away from it with sympathy for the machines. I find that really Mm -hmm. startling. And once you have sympathy for the machines, <laughs> you do you do see how they are symbiotic. You can't have you know humans without machines or machines without humans. Yeah. Well, and that's sort of the the Philip K. Dick aspect of the whole storyline, right? Mm-hmm. Where you kind of fuse them together, and then yeah, the symbiosis happens. But yeah, it's just such a slog. I'm just I'm sorry. I just yeah. I don't like them. It's not that I don't like the ideas that they're dealing with that's kind of fun but it's just either do one or the other mm-hmm. but it just everything seems just so haphazardly slapped together because they have to meet like oh this is the story beat oh action oh exposition oh action so it just yeah, you know, yeah. It's, it's not, not elegant yeah it, uh, that i will give you it's 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 actually very clunky and you can kind of tell these are not filmmakers yet they're they're comic book writers who have you know great instincts right says no i'm not gonna give them that out because the first (laughs) matrix is so tight the first matrix is kind of a perfect little thing and it could have just been its own thing and that's it 
Um, it's well thought through. It's well edited. Everything makes sense. I really think that what what screwed them was the Back to the Future thing. If they yeah. had made one movie at a time and and been a little more methodical about it, I think I think they had the bones there, but they just didn't give themselves enough time to finish them. In retrospect, the fact that the that the Infinity War movie came out as good as it did, given it was being shot back to back with Endgame. <laughs> trying to say that avatar two through five won't be much of a (laughs) i am cinematic this is a bad idea don't i mean i get i get for budgetary reasons why they do it but good god but just don't don't. do that james cameron doesn't have bad ideas sir his penis (laughs) is so big yeah he's the king of the fucking world yeah the the oh, thing that dick. the thing that gets me about the the first one compared to the second and the third uh, is that if you look at just the way they were made, the first one is all done pretty much all practical effects. I mean, they don't do a lot with the CGI stuff, and that kind of care shows on the screen, and it's a really amazing effect when they come out on the end because they put all that care and time into it. Not that they didn't plan out all the stuff in the second and third one, but they rely more heavily on the CGI, and sometimes mm. that makes things a little bit more of a cheat. And so they go, oh, we'll just fix it in post, that kind of thing. That's sort of I the vibe they, I get off of them. Well, they might have also suffered from the fact that the first one was a success that was a surprise. And so when Warner Brothers was like, so you're going to make more, right? Their response was, yeah, we are, and we're going to do whatever we want. So <laughs> yeah. without Fuck those you. constraints... Yeah, then it became, well, we're going to put in more dialogue because we like talking um, and we want more money and more money means more digital. More money means more problems. Well, let's talk about let's talk about the context it comes into. Right. So one of the things that the first Matrix did was absolutely kick Star Wars in the balls. Like they they came out the same year and the Matrix just destroyed the Phantom Menace. And one of the things it (laughs) did. One of, I think George Lucas had a hand in that. I think George well, Lucas sure, is the one who what, ruined what I'm my saying Star is, Wars. <laughs> one of the things that you go to Star Wars for is cutting edge in special effects. And the Matrix had an edge there that Star Wars didn't have. And I think the pressure was on them coming into Reloaded and Revolutions. It's like, well, what do you got now? Because now you're the standard bearer Matrix. Mm, what yeah, have you got yeah. that's new? And they were kind yeah. of doing the same tech that they use on Spider-Man 3, right? Where they were taking the faces, um, the, the digital scan faces, and putting them on other people's bodies. And uh, Nobody likes it that. didn't pay off, no. I don't think. Well, that's the thing, is for the year 1999, Phantom Menace was by and large the leader by a huge margin. I mean, it made over $400 million. The Matrix came in at number five, made like $171 million, which is nothing to sneeze at. But of the two... The Matrix definitely had a way more lasting effect on film, etc. Sure. Uh, yeah. I mean, that's just that well, to me is undeniable. So, if Phantom the box Menace office doesn't do, really- it is the first movie with a lead character who was completely <laughs> CG. Um, it had more. And I what mean, a it, great it, character he was! <laughs> no, yeah. it was a terrible it's sort of character. Actually, the Phantom Menace does get you know does you should give it its due. It is the first and last movie you read about in the chapter, don't do this. You know? Yeah. It's, like, it's got everything <laughs> wrong with it. And Misa think Eric has a point. Yeah. They didn't, they, there was just nothing, it wasn't on the page. It was, it was yeah. 
ugh, it was made because it had to be made, I guess. And yeah. you know that all the stuff you like about the characters and humanity in the original Star Wars, the first two, are because of his wife? <laughs> okay. Let's not we've we've got plenty of more Star Wars episodes to come. We can we Yeah, can, really. We can stick with the Matrix here. Okay. But but, but we know where you're going. And we yeah. agree. <laughs> <laughs> but so by the time you get to Revolutions though, so you're you like that one, Eric. Is that what you're saying? I kind of like them all. I don't have a okay. problem with them the way I used okay. to. I used to loathe them, and like, now like I, I, I envision you as a younger man watching this and just grinding your teeth at just the blatant Christ imagery, <laughs> and now you're okay with it, is what I'm hearing. I think I was watching the second one in the theater, uh, and I was, you know, I, I was like, "Oh, this is gonna be dope! I am so into this!" And I spent most of my time going, "Huh." <laughs> <laughs> What? I uh, there's got to be a fan edit out there. I bet you could take Reloaded and Revolutions and edit the whole thing down to a two and a half hour movie that rules. Mm. Yeah, it's you'd have to take out most bloated. of the most of the utilitarianist uh, dialogue and <laughs> categorical imperative <laughs> bullshit, and and hire hire uh, uh, Joey <laughs> Pants to come in as <laughs> yeah, a really? uh, as a narrator. <laughs> Boy, yeah. I sure wish I hadn't died, because here's what's going on right now, and then you yeah. don't have to have all the dialogue. <laughs> yeah. Boy, that is some crazy stuff going on. But just remember, <laughs> you still have to make sure Neo dies for your sins. That's really yeah. the, the bottom line. <laughs> I mean, why not? He lost his yeah. eyes, his girlfriend died, he had nothing to live yeah. for, so it's yeah, like a fucking, fine. It's sacrifice like, like, a goddamn, like a goddamn country song, that. Yeah. So... When you when you were reading up on this this week, you were throwing out some of the actors. Like, did you read the yeah. casting list before they made this thing? It's insane. Yeah, I know. Uh, it was nuts. down to Will Smith who decided not to do this so that he could make Wild Wild West. <laughs> and the funny thing is, I I read a quote of him, and yeah. I thought this was actually very self aware. Will Smith said that uh, uh, he shouldn't have done it. You know, he's effectively glad he didn't take it because as an actor, he wasn't good enough to just let it be, to just go with the Wachowskis on it. He would have tried to do a Will Smith on it and uh, that Keanu Reeves got it absolutely right by going with their vision. He's he's right. Any huge star of the time that you hired would have made it a you know their vehicle nick cage is one of the people that's they the, wanted that's the one that i read and now all i can think about is nick cage doing the fucking matrix and it yeah. kills me nick oh cage's morpheus would have really worked yeah. i think but. yeah do you want to take the red pill or the blue pill yeah. i mean it would just be <laughs> like he is the it. one he is the one <laughs> Yeah. Now yeah. I want to see a version of the Matrix where all the parts are played by Nicolas Cage. Oh my god. I think yeah. he could play he could do the Agent Smith, he could yeah. do Neo, he could do Trinity. I didn't I, realize how much I loved you. <laughs> me. Being being Nicolas Cage prevents presents the Matrix. <laughs> Mr. Anderson. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, and then was it for a while there? It was almost Johnny Depp was going to be the lead. It's like, come on, no, no, yeah. that would have that would have been awful. He would have been. I mean, if you couldn't get Hugo Weaving, he would have made a good uh, Agent Smith. I can yeah, see all these casting things just not for Neo. 
Yeah. I think my favorite story about casting was for Reloaded. They had offered the part of the architect to Sean Connery, and he turned it down because he just didn't understand the concept. Yeah. (laughs) But all I can think now is Sean Connery delivering all that stupid dialogue as the architect. Oh, I can hear I him, it. though, saying, what the fuck is this? I mean, what is this? <laughs> yeah. I, I, wait a minute. Uh, honey, read this for me. Do I have early onset Alzheimer's or is this <laughs> or is this really not mean anything? Uh, well, honey, it's not early because look at yourself. But no, no, this makes no sense. Yeah. I think I'm going to go do League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Yeah, that'll See be ya. okay. <laughs> <laughs> God damn it. Uh so, yeah. And then the only other really weird oddball trivia thing that I read that blew me away was that in the first one, the character Switch, which was the blonde woman, yeah. I guess in the real world, the, the original envision of the character was in the real world, uh, that was actually a dude. And then in the Matrix, she was a woman. So it was like a binary character. Oh. But the producers went, no, fuck no, no, yeah. fuck you. Because it was 99, there was no way they were going to let that slide. Right. Yeah, but, but there's a whole thesis, and, and it's pretty much borne out by, you know, how reality played out, that the the underlying theme of the Matrix was about both of the Wachowskis being trans. Yeah, true. And Switch was was there uh, to, to put a lampshade on that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's it's interesting. And we know that now. Yeah. So. It's interesting the way it plays out. So basically, we've got a really awesome series of action movies with a lot of philosophy sort of as set dressing or action scenes that are set dressing for a lot of philosophy. We're not sure, but they're a whole lot of fun and they kick a lot of butt. And don't bother playing the video games because, strangely, they're not very good. Oh, no. You'd think they would be. (laughs) Terrible. You'd think that with this concept made for video games, but no, it doesn't work because, of course... They're very, it, they're, they're video, it's, it's a story about a video game that looks like reality, so if you try and make a video game of the video game that looks like reality, you have a very boring, low-color palette. Uh, yeah, on a, yeah, on a PS2 or an Xbox original, like, it, it's not gonna happen. Yeah. Listen, yeah. the Matrix is better the higher you are, so get yourself some Metamucil, yeah. and go watch this shit. <laughs> you crush that shit up and snort it like a motherfucker. Yeah. And then watch the mix. Do what you gotta do. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. You you think I'm joking, but you know you're thinking of going to get some Metamucil right now, bitch. <laughs> you're doing it. And before oh, we go, our, our sponsor for this episode has been Metamucil. Metamucil and Matrix O's. They're paying us down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thanks again for listening to the Magnificently Huge Podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. If you're listening to this right now, you must have, because this is at the end, so you've listened to the whole thing. You can't say you didn't like it. That's like eating your entire meal and then complaining to the manager that it wasn't cooked right. So if you're listening to this now, please share it with some people you know. I mean, we're not making any money off of this. We're not running any ads. We just want to get the word out and get some discussion going and have some fun. We're at MagHuge on Twitter, Magnificently Huge Podcast on Facebook. At any rate, I'm Eric, that was Brian and Chris, and we look forward to talking to you again next week.